All four first-round NBA playoffs in the Eastern Conference have ended, and two of them witnessed victories of the regular season lower-ranking teams upset the higher-ranking opponents, as the Miami Heat and the New York Knicks eliminated the Milwaukee Bucks and the Cleveland Cavaliers, respectively. Even the Boston Celtics were shocked into a cold sweat by the Atlanta Hawks. Welcome back to CGTN Sports Talk. I am your host Li Xiang. Let's begin with the Heat's miraculous 4-1 series against the Bucks. I'm confident that no one, even the most hardcore Heat fans, would imagine that their team could win the series in five games. They were extremely outsized from the interior in front of Giannis Antetokounmpo, Brook Lopez, and probably Bobby Portis, and don't have the first-class spacing to match the Bucks in firepower. The Heat stole Game One thanks to their surprisingly superb three-point shooting touch and the sudden injury of Giannis. Of course, the Heat lost Tyler Hero to injury as well, and unlike Giannis, who came back in the series, Hero will be out for four to six weeks. The Bucks rested Giannis in Game Two, but still won, which might have given them some unrealistic hope that they could do this without Giannis. It didn't take the Heat long to prove them wrong because they carried their unreasonable three-point rate to Game Three. And it's actually not fair to owe the Heat's victories all to three-point shooting because Coach Eric Spoelstra added Kevin Love to the starting lineup. Love is old and had been in a poor form since he joined the Heat, but by standing at the three-point line and making shots there, he removed Lopez from the paint where he plays as the Bucks' defensive spine. The change of rotation also exposed the difference between Spoelstra and his Bucks counterpart Mike Budenholzer. It's understandable that Budenholzer was caught unprepared by the Love move, but not so much that he didn't make any response in that game. By the way, Jimmy Butler averaged 30 points per game in the first three competitions, already much better than he did in the regular season. It's not that no one thought he could explode in the playoffs. More like he already did to many people's eyes. Budenholzer had Yanis back from Game Four and solved the problem for Lopez on both offense and defense. They could have won it if Butler hadn't played like Michael Jordan to get 56 points in Miami and extended the Heat's lead to three to one. By the way, the last time Miami fans saw a guy score 56 points in a playoff game. It wasn't LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, or Alonzo Mourning, but Michael Jordan in 1992. Usually, I would say that it's impossible to stop a guy who shot 19 for 28 from the field to get 56 points in front of four-time All-Defensive Teams member Drew Holiday, but Budenholzer should at least by putting Giannis on Butler. It worked before, and it worked well two years ago when the Bucks swept the Heat for nothing. Giannis froze Butler in that series. Then there was Game Five, and Butler had another 42 points, including making the game-tying layup in the final seconds of the regulation time. Giannis was not there to mark him, just like he was not anywhere near Butler during the three games they played together. That's not the only criticism Giannis and Budenholzer face. They still had 0.5 seconds left after Butler's shot, but Budenholzer had a timeout and didn't call it. Neither did he use either of his timeouts during overtime. 
He admitted that's a mistake, but he also said that's how we always play. It has been very good for us, and you know, we weren't able to convert it tonight. Back to Yanis, when the Bucks trailed by only two points and had the final drive with some ten seconds left in the overtime, he drove to the front court. But suddenly threw the ball to Chris Middleton, who then passed it to Grayson Allen, who failed to shoot before the time ran out. It's understandable that Giannis didn't want to be fouled and sent to the free throw line, where he did a poor job. But he is the superstar and the team's leader. Passing to a non-open teammate at that moment doesn't look good on him. Yanis was asked if this is a failure season at the press conference after Game Five. He was not happy about it and made some really controversial remarks. It's not a failure; it's steps to success. There's always steps to it. Michael Jordan played 15 years, won six championships. The other nine years was a failure. That's what you're telling me. It's a wrong question. There's no failure in sports. There's good days, bad days. Some days you're able to be successful. Some days you're not. Some days it's your turn. Some days it's not your turn, and that's what sports is about. You don't always win. Sometimes other people win, and this year somebody else is going to win. Simple as that. It's a very solid argument, unless it comes from someone who is not a two-time NBA MVP. Who is not an NBA Finals MVP? Who is not a Defensive Player of the Year? And who is not the ace of the champion team two years ago? I think I agree with Shaq, who has played 19 NBA seasons and won four titles. Giannis is not a failure of a player, but it's a failure of a season for the Bucks. Then to the Knicks 4-1 series against the Cavaliers. I got to say, the number four team of the conference hardly has much of an advantage over the number five, but it's still surprising for the Cavaliers to look like they did this year. This is a very physical and slow series. Instead of going into many details, I want to wrap it up like this: the Knicks want to, and indeed, drag it into the 1990s style to win. The Cavaliers have been playing like they were still in the regular season. The Knicks' biggest advantage came from their muscles. Defensively, Mitchell Robinson, Julius Randle, and Isaiah Hartenstein shut the Cavaliers out of the paint for nearly every of the 48 minutes in every of the five games by staying next to the paint during most of their defensive positions. The Cavaliers failed to punish them because Jared Allen doesn't shoot threes, neither does even Mobley. And the team has never figured out who can provide both three-point shooting and defense in the small forward position. No matter how good Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland are, they can't make it work in the muscular crowd of the Knicks when they drive into the paint. That's how most teams defended during the 1990s when three-point shooting was not that popular. Their offense was also rough but effective. Robinson and Hartenstein dominated the offensive board when Allen had to take a breath after averaging 38.1 points per game. Josh Hart made no smaller contributions than Robinson or Hartenstein for the Knicks on the front. R.J. Barrett is no three-point shooter, but he is big and strong enough to bully his way toward the rim like a dump truck. And then there's Jalen Brunson, who kept targeting either Garland or Mitchell. 
He only shot 31 triples and made nine of them in the series. Yet Branson shot to kill in the middle range. This is how the Knicks attacked. It's nothing pretty, and not even close to elegance, but it worked. They took the Cavaliers down into the mud slowly but surely, drawing the opponents with one and another offensive rebound, mid-range jumper, and free throws. The series has exposed many of the Cavaliers' problems, but to me, the biggest one is Mobley. Both Mitchell and Allen have nearly taken shape. Garland may put on more muscles and improve his shooting in the future. He did most of his job as an orchestrator. Mitchell was brought in to provide a firepower that he couldn't give. Mobley is different from them. He is younger and plays an integral role in the team. His size and mobility enable him to scan the floor defensively, making him ready to switch or help all the time. But he is too thin, which costs him in rebound protection and defense in the low post. Mobley's unique combination of size, athleticism, skills, and shooting range should make him a mismatch headache for the opponents. But instead, his lack of power made him an offensive embarrassment. He can't bully over small defenders and doesn't shoot accurately enough to punish big defenders, especially again when he doesn't shoot threes. In the end, let's finish this episode with the Celtics-Hawks series. I was one of those people who were convinced that the Celtics would have swept the Hawks without even sweating. It looked like that in the first two games, and then the Hawks punished the Celtics for not being focused enough in Game Three. Then they did again in Game Five, adding more suspense into the series. Though everything ended in Game Six, the Celtics have quite some lessons to learn from it. For example, Coach Joe Mazzulla should be more careful and flexible with defensive duties of Al Horford. Having him draw back or close out can work, but may also backfire. His presence enables the Celtics to play five outs, but they shouldn't forget that Horford is already 36 years old. He may not be that trustworthy when he switches to guard small, fast perimeter players, but when he stays behind, the Celtics better be sure that they're testing the right guy for his shooting ability. Second, Robert Williams III had been able to make decent defensive contributions when he was healthy enough to play, but that may change after the series against the Hawks. If Horford is not good at guarding small, fast players because of aging, Williams is bothered by his defensive habit of prioritizing rim protection and his rough footwork. He is not skillful enough on this front to know when and how he should close out and then recover. And when Robert Williams III is on the court, he hurts the Celtics' spacing because he doesn't do any offensive work once he is away from the hoop. Without the Bucks. The Celtics are now the biggest champion candidate in the Eastern Conference. They will face the Philadelphia 76ers in the conference semifinals. They are still able to target the 76ers in their vulnerabilities, but the Celtics must be more careful with their details, which already cost them two games against the Hawks. And the 76ers are much stronger than the Hawks. I think that's all for today. Thank you for listening. Please leave your thought on this topic under this post by CGTN Sports on Twitter. Hopefully, I'll be speaking to you guys very soon next week. See ya.